Amen. Staying fit, church? Yeah? Everybody's focused on that, right? Except for that five minutes this morning I had a donut in. They're doing real good. I'm doing super well. Thank you. Thank you for, for that. Yes. You didn't have to clap. That's great. I'm doing good. Thank you for your encouragement. Hey, hey, it's good to be together, church, and uh, get into God's Word. So if you get your Bibles, get them out, get ready to receive. Anybody excited to open God's Word this morning? Yes. Awesome. An anchor for us. So, yeah, we're going to be uh, just turning uh, to Acts. We've been in Acts chapter 2, and we will stick there this morning uh, for, for some time, and, and we will look at the third C of what it means to be in biblical community. Uh, we talked about connection, the importance of that here last week, and we're into challenge this week, uh, the challenge, and we'll talk about that in a second. So uh, before we do that, uh, I want to pray, but I wanted to just uh, stop and uh, specifically we're going to pray this morning because it's Sanctity of Life weekend, and that means we pause and recognize God is creator, okay, the giver of all life. He treasures each one at conception and recognizes them as his own. Uh, we, we mourn the loss also of the life, uh, but, we, but we stop and say we know our God who is gracious, he is redemptive in, in nature and kind, and so we thank God that that's what we have with him, regardless of the journey we've walked. Uh, he is gracious and kind. So Psalms 139 says this. You guys uh, might want to make a note of this. Verse 13 and 14, beautiful. For me personally, I want to share my story sometime here about it, but it says this. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Do you know that this morning? We're going to pray and thank God. Join us online in the room. Let's just bow our heads and pray. Father God, we thank you uh, that you are the author of life. Uh, God, that you are gracious, you are merciful and kind, that you meet us right where we're at as we pause and think about just uh, the sanctity of life. What we learn in your word is that um, it all starts at conception. Life happens there. And God, so we know that your heart is for that one. And we just ask that you, Lord God, would help us to uh, treasure our lives, treasure life itself. And God, take time to just think about that this week and just help us to journey through uh, whatever that brings up for us personally, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So you guys are in your, you've got your Bibles open to chapter 2 in Acts. And uh, we're going to just, we're going to be reading through that as we uh, as I said, I was thinking about uh, vision and uh, purpose this, this year. Some of us planners were thinking about it in December. God bless you. And then January, most of the rest of the world joined you. Um, and thinking about, like, what do I need to do? They were asking the question, like, what time is it? Whenever you reset goals or things like that, you're really asking, like, what time is it for, for me personally, right? So uh, that, that's what we're going to be talking about. And uh, for me, I, I was taken to this moment uh, where I had really my first like experience with small group, a powerful small group experience. And I was in my living room. It was our first home that Christina and I bought together. And uh, I was a newbie youth pastor and uh, you know a lot of zeal for life. I was pretty busy as a youth pastor. And uh, we had, uh, Miles had been born and we were in our small group there talking through just life. And, and around the room, the guys uh, started talking about their 
times with God that week. And the mechanic next to me, you know, talked about it. And then the engineer and then the teacher. And then, you know, I'm, I'm there as the youth pastor. And I was convicted to the point of, I just started crying. Because I realized that for months, I had put off, shelved, really stonewalled God and not spent time with him. I hadn't really taken that to heart and been putting that first in my life. And I was hearing them testify how the goodness of God in those moments. And I realized like, God, you and I aren't connected. And, and, the, and so the guys took a, a moment, they were really 15 minutes. Where they laid hands on me, prayed for me, and it shifted me in that moment and realigned me really with what I knew God's purpose and plan was for me, for my life, and what he wanted to do with connecting with me. And it really set in motion kind of what I needed to sustain me, not as, just as a father and husband, but also in ministry. And so uh, I, I was reaffirmed in that moment and forever onwards that w- I can't do this without community. I need community. Biblical community is essential for me to walk out my faith. In all the realms that I need to, I need community. I don't know for you, like in this session, season that we're doing this series, I hope you land there, that you need community. I hope we get more out of that. But if you get nothing, I hope you get this, that we need community to work out our faith. To, to walk as a believer, follower in Jesus, we need to be in community with other believers. Not only community, but we actually have to be in unity in that as well. So as church, I'm asking this question in this season, like what time is it? What do, we, what do we need to do? What is this time set aside for? And I'm convinced that every thriving community regularly clarifies and brings unity around their divine purpose. Convinced every thriving community does this. They regularly clarify, regularly clarify and brings unity around their specific divine purpose, God-given purpose. I'm convinced of that. Test me on that. Go look at any community, business, family that you're like, wow, they're crushing it. What do they do regularly? They, they get together and clarify what is our purpose. And everybody knows what it is. Therefore, they can move in unison for that. So Acts chapter two, here's what happened. They were living this out. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They were clarifying. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, say together. You can say it with an accent, that's okay. Because Americans, you have accents. I don't. Um, and everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give everyone who had need. We talked about that last week, what care is. It's what? It's a commitment, not a event, right? Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together and with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all. Say all. All the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Challenge. Every thriving community has a shared common challenge. It's really about the the thing that gets us moving. It's the obstacle, but it's also the goal. It's what motivates us, the vision that that we share. For instance, right? 
uh, uh, the goal and vision of a sports team to win the championship, the Bills, right? Everyone, <laughs> it's a new thing for them. It's okay. It's, they've never won before, so it's a new thing. You should try new things. That's what I'm saying to the Bills. You should try new things. It might, might feel good. Anyway, the goal, the goal is that. But the challenge is winning, right? So the goal for our business might be to create the best customer experience possible. That's the goal. Well, the challenge is that also. The goal at home to become a greenhouse for world changers. A greenhouse for world changers. That's what I want my home to be. Okay, well, that's your goal. That is also the challenge, right? And you break that down and you might actually get there. Our goal, to help our community initiate and nurture a growing relationship with Christ. You might have heard that before. It's not just a vision for one of us, it's also a shared whole so that it can be achieved and recognized in as many people's lives as possible, right? Many people know this verse when we talk about vision, Proverbs 28, 18, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Most of us have heard it, where the vision, where there is no vision, people perish. So this idea, right, that we need to <laughs> come into this place of understanding the vision, this idea, I call it an idea, it really is like a necessity though, is this idea that we need to come around, this need for us to come around the, the, the prophetic vision, and I love that, it's how the ESV writes it, it's the literal translation of what's happening there. It's not just a vision, it's a prophetic vision because it's divine in nature, it's what God can see that I don't, that I hope to be, have faith in. Good vision needs faith, come on. Right? I want it to be an audacious goal that God gives us that's bigger than me, bigger than you. Like it's God-sized goal. That's why I have eight kids. No, just kidding. <laughs> Don't tell my wife that. Okay. In order to overcome the challenges. Oh, it's online. Praise God. Don't say anything, all right? Don't post that. All right. In order to overcome the challenges that we will face in loving God and loving others, as Jesus put it in the the command, right? We must unify around what is the main thing. For us to overcome the challenges that will face us in that vision, we're going to have to unify on that, around it, break down how we will overcome that. If we're not unified on initiating and nurturing a growing relationship with God, if we're not unified on that, we'll never get there. We won't be doing that. So we have to unify around that. So I want to break it down because it's the challenge that's in front of us. It's not just the goal and vision, it's the challenge. So those things, how I break it down is this. Initiate, nurture, growing relationship. Like the three actions within that to break it down. The vision that God has given us, the big audacious goal, right? Initiate, nurture, growing relationship. I'm not gonna get to growing relationship this morning, although it's part of the nurture. We'll just do initiate and nurture, and then next week I'll get into what the growing relationship part is. But these verses in Romans uh, 12, one and two is what I think we can use, which will bring focus and keep us focused around what it really means to initiate and nurture a growing relationship with Christ. So I want you to turn your Bibles, if you would, Romans 12, one and two, verses that you probably heard before, and if I'm going too fast, don't stop me. Here we go. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, by the mercies of God, here we begin this passage looking back at Romans 11, uh, sorry, uh, one through 11, and all of those verses add up to this, that it is God's gift by grace that he's given to you. There is nothing you can do to earn it. He's given 
this gift that is Jesus Christ by grace. So you couldn't earn it. He saved you by grace. And then you get to chapter 12 and he says, here's what you can do. I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual and some put act of worship there. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will. So that verse there, those scriptures should resound, should resonate with us because they essentially describe initiating with God and then nurturing what he lays in our, in, in our path. Initiating and then nurturing. Initiating uh, for us is uh, Paul saying, I appeal to you to do this. This is how you enter in. How do we enter in? By laying down our bodies. So, so here's this gift that God gives to you, Romans 1 through 11. Now what do you do about that? Well, here's how you enter in. You didn't do anything. You just got to lay down. He offered his, his body, everything. He sacrificed it for you. How do you receive it? Believe that he is the son of God. Like Repent and, and cross over from death to life. This is now my life. Is, it's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. Is that what Paul said? And so there's that initial start. Initiating you know, is a big part of what we do. It's, 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 we do this every week. We talk about it every week. And I do that because I don't want anybody to miss out on that invitation to cross over. We try to make that invitation. It's the mission that drives us. It's the challenge. There's a broken world out there. They need Jesus, period. All that he is. So we don't want to miss any opportunities to make that invitation. My first step uh, was under a table in the back of my mom's store. All right, she was back there uh, praying with a lady, leading her through the, the prayer uh, to receive Christ. And I was under the table listening to her walk through the Romans road from Romans 1 through 10. And I, and I was listening to that, that, that gift of God. And all you have to do is, you know, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ the Lord. I came out and said, I want that. Me too. And so she prayed with us both to receive Christ. And so we're joined together, you know, this awesome moment that we had. And it's my conviction that the places and the spaces that we spend most of our time this week will be where we see the most potential for initiation and invitations. So as we partner with the vision that God's given us here, you individually, in your places, your spaces that you dwell, that is the place where you're going to have the most opportunity. You spend the most time there, you're going to have the most opportunity. Some of you at home, you say, man, I'm alone. You've got a pen and paper, right? Start inviting people, not to church, to a relationship with Jesus Christ. You got something. Everybody has something that they can do to invite and help people initiate a growing relationship with Christ. And that's what we do here. That's what we're about. We really see initiate as the word that compels us out of these four walls. Sunday is just where we come back to share the stories of what God did this week as we walked it out. Come on, church. It compels us out of these four walls. It's not about sitting here and getting that. Right? Come on. Too quiet. We desire for others to know his love and peace in their lives, so we regularly make ourselves available to our community to serve and ultimately help anyone to take that next step with God. A program can be great in helping initiate and invite, but really it requires someone 
to bring the message. Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness. Man, some of our news people need to read this, right? So who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Martin Luther King Jr. said it like this. Live like Jesus died yesterday, rose this morning, and is coming back tomorrow. Come on, move it. I love that. Like he died yesterday, rose this morning, and is coming back tomorrow. That moves me. Martin Luther King did this great job of taking a, a, a people who had a common challenge and casting a God-given vision beyond what they could see. He had to describe it because it was so big, he used the word dream. And by using the word dream, he, he knew he could take people beyond what they could see right now, right? And so because he did that and he envisioned and he had a God vision, not just a man-made thing he could do. He had a God thing that was bigger than him, bigger than any one person. That mission is still continuing and beginning to even get more traction to be recognized in our current day. Praise God, it continues. Because prejudice has no place in the church and no place in our community and no place in us as followers of Christ. Amen? So thank God for the vision, the visionary of Martin Luther King Jr. He helped nurture something as people came behind the vision. How he did that? He helped people with ownership, nurturing. Number two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is a good, acceptable, pleasing, perfect will. Sorry, I've learned it in different versions, but... This is how you know what God's will is. It's the action of owning, ownership, taking ownership. So I'm gonna put these things in my life. I own that I need to put things in my life that will help renew my mind, shift me from stinking thinking to life thinking, right? Kingdom thinking. I need to take that shift from my old life to the new. So what do I need? I need the word of God. I need real community to wash over me and bring me from my old life to new life. It's walking out all that we become as God transforms us also. It's taking what he, he does and is washing in the word over our mind. He transforms us and that turns into a passion to go and do what he has called us to do. It's refining the vision. See there in the words, you will be able to test and approve. Why? Because you're walking in faith in small things and bigger things and some bigger things and some bigger things because you're able to test and approve. Yes, this is God's will for me. And some people get stuck there. Many people get stuck there because it's often the thing I'm talking to people about in my office. I don't know what God wants me to do with my life. What should I do next, Pastor Bryce? I feel this. I feel that. Oh, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you today, Romans 12, 2, that by testing, you may discern what it is, this will of God for your life. Knowing God's will for our life and the what's next is tied up in the walking out the direction we currently already have and not ignoring it. Long phrase to say, stop ignoring what God has already placed in your hand to do. 
It's taking what God has given you, whatever it is, small or large, and saying yes. So the fight, the battle of doing God's will is often that we look at that thing and say, surely not this, God. That, that's too small or that's too big. So the battle is not, we don't have something from God, it's wrestling with what you have already. It's tied up right there. And so nurturing it is saying, okay, yes, I will do what you have asked me to do with what you've given me. That's nurturing what God has given you. It really leads to those things that you do that kind of feel mundane, right? It's, it's, a, it's why you might have that time with God in the morning that maybe your roommates laugh at you about if you're in college. It's why you might make that phone call to that mentor who always helps point you back to Jesus. You make that call because you just, yeah, I know I'm gonna hear something I probably don't wanna hear, but I know I need to. It's, it's why you go back to that group that often inspires you to go deeper with God. And so I'm asking you, church, to ask the question for yourself. What time is it for you? And you think about initiating and nurturing. What is God reviving in you right now as we're talking about this? What is God bringing to the surface that you know you need to take action on this year? What time is it for? What will this time be used for? I've been praying over our church and over our, our region. We're like, God, what time is it? What have you called for us? What is this time? You know, such a time as this. I was born for God. So what are you doing? What would you like us to be thinking about? And Luke 5 is where he, I feel, led me. And, and it goes into the story about these disciples who were called to follow Jesus. And it goes like this. Getting into one of the, the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Here's Jesus standing in the boats of these fishermen who have been fishing all night long, doing what they do all the time. And here this preacher, this guy who has a following standing on their boat, they're, they're wrapping up their nets, wrapping up their night, pretty disappointed because they didn't catch anything. And this guy's going on and on and on. And when he's finally done, he says, you know what you should do? You should go do what you've done all night long. Which resulted in nothing. Can you imagine how annoying that would be? Being told by a carpenter as a fisherman to go and fish the same spot you just were fishing. But in that moment, these guys in their obedience to go out, they've already walked in some obedience, they've already been challenged in hearing the voice of the Messiah and something is resonating with them that there is something different about this guy and his message. It's changing me, it's stirring something in me. I gotta listen to what he's saying. And so they push out on the boat and they get out to this dip that Jesus has pointed to and instead of just being there, they've been there all night. You know fish move, right? Like they're just swimming around. So this is ridiculous that I would go out a little bit deeper. That's a, a notion that just would have drove me nuts if I was there. But he said, go out a little bit deeper. And they went out a little deeper and they cast out their nets a little deeper. 
And when he casts them out, they begin to feel a tension on their nets and they're pulling it in. They're pulling it in. And the, the load, the harvest is so large that they can't contain it. So they pull in other boats and now they're pulling it up and they can't contain it. They can't even contain what God is bringing in. And some of us have lost hope with what we've been doing, the mundane things we've been doing over and over and over. And God is asking us to go out and do the exact same thing again. And we're looking at it and some of us have lost hope, but God sees what you don't see. He's a visionary beyond your thinking. He's a big God with a big vision for Mannheim. And I've done the math, guess what? We can't contain the vision that God's given us. There's not enough seats in this house. There's not enough seats to contain what God wants to do in our community. If the harvest goes in because we're obeying God, we cannot contain what God wants to do here. We can't contain it. They pulled in that boat and they walked up on the beach and God is asking them to be fishers of men. Challenging them with this. That if you will just obey me and go and do something that I know you've done before many times, this time you will yield different harvest because it's from me. The message is different. What I wanna do in your life as you obey me is going to shock you. What I wanna do in your life, if you will just go a little bit deeper, is gonna bring a harvest. Some of you do not want to go and initiate a conversation with somebody because you've given up. Some of you don't want to enter back into that marriage because you've given up. Some of you don't want to talk to that person because you've given up. Some of you don't want to go back to that Bible study because you've given up. Some of you don't want to go back to praying like you used to pray because it didn't yield the response that you wanted. But God's calling us to go deeper, church. God's calling us to do those things that will renew our minds and put us in a position to be people that can initiate relationship with Jesus Christ to those that are lost and hurting and broken, that want to see unity, that want to see the love of Jesus Christ. We're called to go deeper. We're called to go back and do those things that are hard. One of those things is unity. We are not called as lone rangers to do our own thing. Church, we have a mission here and God has a mission here. He wants to achieve it. He wants to do it. And we will do it if we clarify with Him and go to Him and ask God, what do you want to do with our lives? What do you want to do here? I believe He's put in your hands something really powerful. Many of you, he's already gifted you something. And he's called you to steward that little thing that you look at and you say, what is this that you've given me? God, it's just small. It's it's only half an hour a week. It's only a a gift to write. It's only a... And he's asking you to go back to that little something. Go just a little bit deeper. Keep going. Don't give up. God has called you and he's called me to initiate and nurture a growing relationship with Christ.
I'm convinced there's one thing that each one of us today, one thing that we need to go back and it's time for that thing to do it again. For some of you, I want to say we should probably try it just one more time. I want to ask you to write it down today. What is that one thing that you need to try just one more time? Big audacious prayer that you have, a Bible study for yourself, a relationship, a conversation. What is that one thing? I believe God's going to answer those prayers. I believe God's going to stretch us and grow us and bring a harvest into this house and many houses because we can't contain what God wants to do. We need to stay unified in purpose and mission. God's given us an awesome mission here. We've got to keep the main thing, the main thing. We can't get trapped off on our own tangents. So this morning, I want us to be clear on our purpose and our mission that God has given us here. I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to pray. We're going to worship together in spirit and truth. Amen. God, would you help us this morning? Wherever we're at, whatever that one thing is that we're stuck on, whatever that one thing is maybe that we've given up on, God, I know that you want to revitalize, you want to rejuvenate, you want to redeem that thing. And God, in our lives, we need those things for either it's initiating something, God, or it's nurturing something that you've already given to us to help us because, God, this mission is important. We don't want to lay it down. We don't want to lit up. We want you to invade our spaces and places this week with your love, with your grace, with your mercy, with your mission for our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and having your way in our lives and shifting us on purpose, on fire for you, living life like you died yesterday. <laughs> you rose this morning. You're coming back tomorrow. Thank you, God, for rejuvenating and a zeal and a passion for us to go and live out this mission. In Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Amen.